This is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For part two with Jonathan Groff, we jump into his relationships in the entertainment industry. Moments backstage at Hamilton and Spring Awakening, Mindhunter, and his favorite books. So I hope you enjoy this part two with Jonathan Groff, and keep on keeping on. Backstage after the show and after Hamilton, was there any were there any standout conversations that you had with like dignitaries or anyone that came backstage that I mean I consider Beyonce mind? a dignitary I don't know if like <laughs> <laughs> you would yes. do as well but yeah, yeah. Did, did she say she was going to steal your steal yeah the your Beyonce walk? yeah the Beyonce right. yeah she said she said she said she was going to steal my walk and she told me that when I turned my body while keeping when I exited the stage by turning my body but keeping my head forward I was my own turntable she said you huh. were your own turntable I was speechless I didn't couldn't know what I didn't know what to say but but that she <laughs> but that Beyonce but that she and I've now watched I mean this morning after I got out of the shower when I was getting dressed I just I went on YouTube and just put on the opening of her Coachella to listen to while I got dressed because I've watched the clips on YouTube of her per Coachella performance so many times now. Yeah. I'm so obsessed with her. But but that she could... The thing that amazes me about the conversation with her is that no one that came to the show, my friends, but no one talked with such specificity about something that I did. And the, they talked huh. about the shoulder move or whatever that Brian Darcy James invented that move off Broadway and all of the Kings now do it. Yeah. But that she talked about the way that I walked onto the stage and then moved my shoulders was just that I was, I was thinking this is why Beyonce is who Beyonce is because her eye, what she sees is so, so specific because yeah. even with even with Andy Blankenbuehler, we never talked about how I walked on the stage or how I exited the stage. Really, yeah. with with the specificity, that was something that that you know when you're in a long run of a show, you start you start picking the small details of the performance. That's kind of it's a very personal thing mm. that you fill you color in the tiny tiny edges, and that was one of those tiny tiny edges that I had colored in yeah. that she had seen, which is just amazing to me about the way she sees things yeah yeah I, I noticed that in her performance too everything is i mean it's that discipline it's totally the specificity in that discipline totally like, i mean that's why i can watch those clips over and over again because i'm oh. i'm going wow they half-timed crazy in love halfway through that song who thought of that and and her yeah she's just and the band and then and the i mean band. it's everything oh it's tight yeah it's everything very is tight. so tight yep it's incredible. Well, how did okay? So your participation in Hamilton came up pretty quickly. Was that a pretty quick whirlwind for you, or there was a longer in doing Hamilton? Yeah, like yeah. joining the company and all of that. Like, how did your participation come about? Oh my god, it was so weird. It was such a. It was completely out of left field. Brian Darcy James. The, all of a sudden, something something rotten got fast tracked to Broadway. Yeah. They thought it was going to be a season later. So suddenly, he had to leave the show off Broadway a week after they had opened. Wow. Uh, the public and Lynn texted me and said, Hey, Brian has to leave. Do you want to come and do the show for the rest of the public run? And I didn't know anything about Hamilton. I had not heard the show. I didn't know what the role was. I just said, sure. Without having seen it or anything. And then I went to go see it on a Friday and went into it on a Tuesday. 
because I was in LA promoting the second oh. season of Looking yeah. and thinking and 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 thought that I would only do the off Broadway run. I thought I thought yeah, I thought that they you know, I was just going to come in as a filler, as a replacement until they found until Someone they else? yeah yeah I, I I thought we would go back for a third season of Looking I didn't realize the show was going to get canceled <laughs> yeah and so I thought oh this would be so great I'd love to come in and do anything a theater with Lynn that'll be fun and it's at the public and I love the public not knowing the show at all and then I saw the show <laughs> and I went oh my god I can't believe I get to be in this and then <laughs> and then Looking got canceled and then while well, we were off Broadway and then it and then I got to do the show on Broadway and it was just amazing yeah. and another thing where I got to watch that was the big thing about. Hamilton for me it was really fun to do the show and to play the king but the real reason that I wanted to do it on Broadway was because Hamilton is such a masterpiece and the direction the choreography the lighting the costumes the performance the sound I mean everything is so extraordinary and I just wanted and I did and I would sneak into the audience dressed as the king and be in the box of the theater at the Richard Rogers, and I would watch the show every day. I would watch it just like I did, just at like the, the Fulton Opera House. Yeah, I would watch the show, and it was that. To, that was to me the best part of the experience was being able to watch the show. Because yeah, you're only on for what, nine minutes. Like nine yeah. minutes, right? Yep. That's incredible. Okay, so <laughs> the fact that he texted you to do the show is kind of I want to say blows my mind but it doesn't because it's, it's a so small Lynn. community and it's once so people Lynn. know who you are yeah. it's like people know who you are so what are your views on relationships in the theater community any thoughts come to mind yeah I have this sort of aversion to because sometimes people will say I'm going to this party to I have this aversion to the word network it feels greasy. It feels um, it feels disingenuous to me when people say I'm going to this event to network. Anytime that I I, I find that if you there's no uh, there's no party that at least this is my experience. There's no no party that you go to that's ever going to change the course of your career. <laughs> uh, to <laughs> okay, me, it's all yeah. about it's all about doing the work and showing up and being disciplined being disciplined and doing what you love and putting your heart and soul into it and then and then and then secondarily relationships may or not be formed and you may or may not make quote connections to lead to other work but i think if you're leading with that if you're leading with okay how am i gonna how am I going to meet this person and make this thing happen? At least in my experience, it just feels gross. And, and to me, it's just more important to start with what acting class do I need to take? What auditions do I need to go on? What books should I read? What shows should I be seeing? How do I educate myself? How do I become a better artist? And then the kind of like relationships and connections and agents and da 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 happens as a result of those things, as a result of just being honest and real and true to wanting to grow and be better. Yeah. I like what you said at the beginning of that about not no one party is going to change the course of your career. Totally. It's a series of events that lead you to this moment. And exactly. there'll be more events after today that'll lead you to your next moment and it'll keep going on. Exactly. And listen, like at the, like when, at the Tony, when you, when you, when we were all nominated for Tony's for, 
Spring Awakening or even for Hamilton, then you go on this sort of this sort of political press tour where you have to go to all these events and show up and shake the hands of Tony voters and whatever, and that's yeah. a different thing, and that's that's sort of playing the game of the experience and saying, you know, it's an honor to be nominated and, and here we are and we're showing up and whatever. But it's the idea that you're going to get a job from going to some party. I moved to LA. I was there for five years um, to, because I had done theater and I wanted to do more film and television. And so I wanted to be in the room. I was putting myself on tape in New York for lots of things and getting nothing. And my agent said, you know, I think it would be better if you came out here for a while and met the casting directors and the directors in person. And I think that could really help. And it did. And I went and it, and it was helpful and great. But when I was out there, you get invited to these, you know, the party for whatever thing that you're not even really in or involved with. And I would go, why am I going to this party? I'm not even in the cast of this movie, but it, you you have to go to show up, which feels weird to me. And I would go to them starting out because it felt like a thing I had to do. Yeah. And everything about it felt weird. And then I just stopped going to them because I just it just felt strange. Yeah, like I guess put on. It just, yeah, it felt yeah. like, what am I asking? What am I doing here? What am I doing here? <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's a good point. What? So you were in LA for five years. Yeah, is that okay? So this is the next question. We're leading into this here. Your transition into TV and film because you're primarily doing TV right now. Yeah, you want to come back to theater? Always, always dying to come back to theater. Yeah. But you were actively seeking television, film. Like that was your transition. Yeah. So with with Spring Awakening, the thing that was shocking personally was. I thought when I when I moved to New York, I, I mean, I never had a dream of doing te- television or film ever. I only wanted to do theater. Mm. <clears throat> I wanted to be in the ensemble of Hairspray. Do you know, when I moved to New York, I thought if I could, you know. And um, then Spring Awakening happened. And basically every ultimate dream that I ever had came true with as far as doing an original musical and being in that show was such an amazing sort of life-altering experience and it taught me a lot about being an artist because it was the material of the show was so great and the material doing that show for two years changed me as an actor because it was so hard uh, and and asked so much of the actors doing the, the beating scene with Leah and the Hayloff scene and the the vo- the poetic lyrics and just the whole journey of that character was you just cultivate a lot of stuff doing something like that for two years. Um, yeah. And so I, and so when I left, I thought, okay, this is really, I learned now doing theater. I want to do something that is li- I only want to do something that's life altering because I, it's almost all religious in a way because you show up every day and repeat the same thing over and over again. And when you repeat the same thing over and over again, it starts to affect This sounds so, um, woo wooey but it's not it's you know you repeat the same thing over and over again and it starts to seep into your seep being into your yes yeah, subconscious I know, it, sounds your, like heavy. it does yeah but it's just kind of factual yes. it's the things you know i've started doing this keel's face thing and now my skin is better because i put it on my face every day you know yeah or if you yeah. eat well it's very basic yeah uh so i thought oh i want to do i want to do i want to keep doing theater and i want to do stuff that really that really has this effect and because of the this is success of spring awakening um, it allowed me, you know, I changed agents, I got a bigger agent and people, when you're in something that's successful, suddenly people think you're 
more talented than when you're in something that it's crazy. It's like the there's stupid, some connection yeah, between them. <laughs> it's the stupid lie of being an actor is when you're in something good, suddenly everyone thinks you are good. Yeah. <laughs> and when you're in bad, when you're in something bad, people assume that you must be bad. Uh, it's uh, David Fincher actually says uh, in quote in, in, in interviews and stuff and has said, um, actors get way too much credit uh, when they're when they're for making something good and they get way too much credit for making something bad you know they get it both ways yeah. you know what i mean it's yeah. it works both ways but you know for what you know so it was spring awakening and it was a huge success so then all of a sudden we're all geniuses though they decided that we're all great actors and whatever right. and not that we're not you know talented or whatever but so are so many other people um but so then that afforded me the ability to have choice more choice in what i wanted to do next and i and i wanted to do some off broad it got, gave me the opportunity to do some off broadway plays which was great <clears throat> and then i also wanted to try my hand at doing film and television because it was a world and a technique that i wasn't familiar with and it was intriguing to me and so i did i so i started doing a ryan murphy pilot that never got picked up and then and then decided to make the move to LA to try and get more opportunities like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. I'm going to skim over this real quick. Cause I, I know we're getting down to the end here. Okay. Uh, can you tell us anything about frozen two? I can tell you that. Yeah, of course I can tell you that I'm in it and that we have started recording it and that they record and it's such an amazing process. And this was the process for the first one is that they would record it and then they would screen it. I mean, it's the process for all their animated films is yeah. that they sort of record it and they have these rough sketches and then they screen it for everyone there. And then, you know, the hundreds of, of people that work at Disney animation and then they all, all of those people then note it and they and they refine it and refine it and refine it and refine it and, refine it. and it's why all those animated films and the Pixar films are so amazing is that they spend so much time on story developing the story it's sort of it's sort of like workshopping a Broadway musical how it takes years in development yeah. to then they do the labs and the out of town tryouts and whatever and so we're in that process of Frozen 2 now so even if I did spoil storylines in this moment <laughs> which I won't do. Oh. It, I, it wouldn't be worth spoiling them anyway because they're constantly evolving and changing. That's the thing that fascinates me when I see a movie multiple times, particularly Disney animated ones. I watch it like three, you know, you watch one of them like three times. I'm like, why am I watching this so many times? Because it's so good. Well, why yeah. is it so good? Well, the story is so tight. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it is like freaking Pocahontas. I was talking about that one the other day. Seriously, though, yeah. like that ending gets me every time. Anyway, yeah. Oh, yeah. Disney. it's a lot of work. Uh, I'm curious with all of this stuff you're working on. How do you stay balanced? How do you stay even keeled and keep focus? Um, I go running every morning before we shoot in Pittsburgh. I go running every, oh my God, I didn't tell you the end of the story about the Carnegie Mellon thing. <clears throat> I go running every morning. So that's part of it. Exercise yeah. is a big thing for me. I do flywheel here in New York, huge Great. flywheel fan. Um, and my, that is one, another thing that my parents 
instilled in me exercise that if if they weren't jocks maybe i wouldn't have gotten that yeah. in my like thing but exercise is a big thing f- therapeutically to get out aggression and frustration and process things also to not get fat because all i want to do is eat everything and have to fit into my costume so Same. just like vein wise it's like great for me to exercise um but it's great for me that's my drug is you, exercise how many miles do you run generally just four yeah like four or four. five in the morning before we start cool um but that Carnegie Mellon. Yeah, but Gary Klein, the guy who was the voice teacher that I, 15 years ago, you know, when I was trying to figure out. So I reached out to him three weeks ago, and they at Carnegie Mellon. And so we, I was like, hey, I'm, I'm looking. So I've been taking private tap classes here in New York. Um, there's this, there's this uh, amazing woman named Michelle Dorrance, who's this phenomenal, who has this phenomenal tap company. And uh, her, one of the people in her company, Byron, has been teaching me private tap lessons this year because that was part of the things I wanted to keep up in my in my life was tap dancing. Yeah. And so I contacted Gary and said, "Can I come to Carnegie Mellon and just you know have a space to tap dance in?" This is 15 years later. Yeah. Yeah. And so I drive up to Carnegie Mellon three weeks ago. I've not driven up to Carnegie Mellon since I was there for my meeting to talk about what to do. And I go and I meet him. And so there he's going to let me tap dance in there. So now I'm back tap dancing at Carnegie Mellon 15 years later after not going there. In a way, studying there. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's so weird. Yeah. What a full circle story. Yeah, crazy. Have you ever considered going back to college? Or is that like ship has sailed or maybe down the road or is it not even a I thought? don't think I mean I, it, yeah no I probably won't ever I mean realistically no yeah no it's just interesting because yeah. everyone puts a different yeah because like yeah and it's that discipline my parents put on me of like you need to go to college and then you can do whatever you want to do but you'll yeah. have the college you know so everyone has like that different path and the opportunities path, yeah. and I'm just so interested if and that some was people do some people do want to go to college and Oh my gosh, so many people that I work with have gone and studied at college and they love it and they value it and they yeah. wouldn't be who they were without it and whatever. It's just, you got to listen to that gut thing of what is right for you, what is right for you specifically. Because I do think some people spend a lot of time and money training in theater in college and then they leave and they go, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. And so perhaps maybe it would have been better for them to not spend all that time and money going to college and then other people go oh my god I was not ready to move to New York when I was 19 Mm -hmm. college gave me a community college changed me as an actor college made me grow and now I'm ready to it's so just different for every person so true who are you when you're at your best best who am I yeah who are you when you're at your best (laughs) who am I when I'm at my best you told who me to surprise when I'm you. <laughs> <laughs> who am I when I'm at my best? I would say I, I'm at my best when I'm uh, feeling... The ability to be who I am and express myself in any given moment. It, I think coming from Pennsylvania and... Just like the experience, like the background that I'm from, it's really easy for me to compartmentalize. And I'm also, I also am good at kind of um, not, not shutting down, but holding my opinions inside and like repressing. I'm like really good at repressing. <laughs> and so I would say I'm at my best when I'm feeling able, this is in acting, like in a rehearsal room, when I'm feeling comfortable enough to express who I am or even like 
like coming out of the closet was a big thing for me when I was 23, having doing that moment of declaring who I am and and expressing who I was despite how it was going to make people feel is a big thing that I've had to overcome. And so I would say I'm at my best when I'm doing that, being able to collaborate both personally and professionally and be feeling comfortable and uh, safe enough to express myself and really show who I am to other people and be and just like be real. Is that an ongoing thing for you? Yeah, like, yeah, every day. Because it's, it's cultivated. It's, yeah, it's something that I have to remind myself of every day, which is why I use that as my answer of what I'm when I when I'm at my best because I think it's something that I have to focus on of reminding myself to not just be passive. Yeah. I, I do love listening and I love observing and watching and has taught me a lot. But I think the thing that I'm probably working on is be, and, and I think too, when, when now I'm in my thirties I'm 33 and I start to go, okay, what is it that I want to say? And what is it that I want to create? And how do I, how do I bring myself to my work and to my personal life and not just kind of let things go by without engaging with them. It sounds so general, but I guess just sort of, um, even in like relationships in in past romantic relationships I've had, I'll sometimes just be passive and then things build up and it, it's not great. Mm-hmm. And so when I, when I have a problem with something or I'm feeling confused about something or I'm feeling upset about something, trying to express that as opposed to feeling fear of, messing something up or making somebody feel uncomfortable. There was this line in this play that I did. Um, uh, it was a Craig Lucas play called The Singing Forest at the Public Theater starring Olympia Dukakis. And she looked at me every night, eight times a week, and said, people will destroy their lives to avoid feeling uncomfortable. And so... Con- Wait, say that one more time. People will destroy their lives to avoid feeling uncomfortable. Yeah. And so... And so... Not being afraid of feeling uncomfortable and experiencing growth is something that I, that I think we all have to, cause you know, if things go well and you go, okay, I did that. And then you can kind of sit back and relax and go, okay, but yeah. it's easy to plateau, but constantly sort of looking for that moment of growth and looking for that uncomfortable space to work through. And for me, that would be in this moment, probably, in relationships and professionally reminding myself to express who I am. Yeah. That's really important. Yeah. That's really important. That's something I've been thinking about a lot lately. I read I heard a quote the other day. What was it? What people think about you is none of your business. Yeah. And That's I was like, hard. but it, but it, but it is because I want to be liked. And it's like, well, yeah, that, but there's also the balance of like, taking care of myself, filling myself up first before I take care of anyone else kind of thing. Yeah, right, right. It's a balance. I love that answer. Balance, yeah. I love that answer. How do you view happiness? What's your point of view on happiness? Uh, overrated is the first <laughs> Ah, shoot! <laughs> is the first thing. That okay. I, I don't know. Overrated, the, the sort of strive, I think the, the, the strive to be happy is overrated. And I think that, that sometimes I put a lot of, or have, at one point put a lot of pressure on myself to achieve happiness, but happiness comes and goes and happiness is great while it's happening, but it, it's a temporary feeling. Mm. Uh, and it, and it 
something can make you, you know, happiness all the time would be so boring. Yeah. Uh, so striving for happiness, I think, is overrated. Um, and we did actually, uh, Fred Wa- Wagoner, who was the hair guy, who is the hair guy still on Hamilton, had this book of Pima, who is this this Buddhist, there is this Buddhist monk, and this great like Pima quotes we would read. Me and Oak and Jasmine well, somehow would somehow at intermission always end up in Fred's hair room. And we would read these Pima quotes. And this was really helpful during a long run of a show when things can get kind of rote to kind of have a thing to do to think about every day. And she talks about never indulging any kind of emotion. And when you're feeling happy, feeling it, but also having a detachment to it and going, okay, I'm feeling happy right now. So that when you're feeling sad, you're like, okay, I'm feeling sad right now, but always sort of, sort of, stepping back from any sort of type of emotion. So that's why I say happiness to me is kind of overrated. Um, more just kind of being able to sit with any emotion yeah. is important. Yeah. That quality. Not running away from any. Yeah. Being like, okay, I'm feeling happy. Great. Sadness, loneliness, yeah, happiness. Knowing that there's, yeah, knowing yeah. that it's, it's all ups and downs. But not striving for any one kind of thing. Do you have um, a favorite failure or a parent failure that set you up for success? I would say being closeted for so long um, feels like a fail to me. <laughs> In that uh, it just not 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 expressing who I am for so long. I don't have regrets about it necessarily, but it is, it is something that I never want to do again because being in the closet for me when I was in it made so much sense because I had a boyfriend who was my roommate and I had it all worked out. I could go to work and then I came home and I had my boyfriend and we didn't have to talk about who we were and whatever. Mm. And it felt so doable. And it wasn't until I got out of that, that I realized how unhealthy that is and how, um, how much I was not myself all the time, even though I thought, even though I thought I knew, even though I thought I had had it all under control, I, I wasn't, I was missing so much in life. Huh. And so that to me was a long extended failure that I'm glad I'm out of. Yeah. We do some crazy things to survive. <laughs> Yeah, right. Because, <laughs> like, I mean, you're saying this story. I have, like, three that pop into my mind of, like, what time when I was like, oh, that made total sense. And I was like, what yeah. the hell was I doing? Yeah, right. Just to survive. Yeah, exactly. And you think, who was that person? Who was that person all those years ago that... I feel so much lighter. Uncomfortable. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, you're like, oh. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> yep. I think that's my... I think that's what I'm always trying to do is continue to, to peel away all that stuff so year you know five years from now i'll look back and go and remember myself from this time as as a different person as well you know just continuing to evolve are there changes you've made in your life that have increased positivity and decreased negativity um i'm a pretty positive i've always been a just naturally positive person which really annoys some people uh not annoys some people but i remember pisses them off yeah (laughs) i remember michael mayer we were doing a an early morning talk show 
uh, during Spring Awakening. It was 5 a.m. or something. We showed up, and I said, hey, Michael, good morning. And he said, well, now at least I know this is just who you actually are, because here it is at 5 a.m., and you can't fake being up, you know, and positive at this time of the morning. Uh, so this, <laughs> it's not an act. Okay, I get it. So I would say I'm gen- generally a pretty positive person, but... Yes. So one thing that I have changed is trying to avoid needy people and understanding that someone said this to me at one point a year ago, or maybe it was two years ago now. Neuroses, neuroses can only be ignored. So sometimes in the past, I would find myself getting very involved with bottomless people that are just a bottomless pit of need. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes that along with that goes negativity. And I would spend a lot of energy trying to take care of people that could never in the end feel taken care of. But I felt that it was my personal need to help those people. Yeah. And so going through life and taking a step back and going, okay, I'm not going to just give it all up to this. Understanding that that is who that person, particular person in my life is and taking a step back and not spending so much time giving so much to them when there's, when there's, I'm only interested now in kind of collaborative relationships personally, professionally, where there's, where we're both, giving and taking contributing yeah we're both contributing yeah, yeah. that's yeah. a change that i made. trying to avoid those people that are energy sucks energy suckers yeah. energy vampires yeah yeah agreed agreed what what does success mean to you um overrated <laughs> <laughs> no i'm i'm very uh ambitious and success is is success to me is balance is 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 life work it's hard to achieve but it's that thing of feeling creatively fulfilled it's the thing that we never achieve really which is personal fulfillment creative fulfillment just having that all of those things in line Mm. would be successful to me yeah um but it's always kind of a changing you landscape. S- you have such a great balance. What we were talking about, you have such a great balance of so chill, yet so prepared. Is what I gather from the amount of work you're doing. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't yeah. worked with you in that sense, but I imagine you just have this great balance of discipline and like that party. You're just there to yeah. party. I think. I think. Sometimes it's disarming because I I am naturally a very chill. I can't take credit for it really because I'm just naturally a very chill person, but I do show up. I do really. I do. Yeah, I do show up ready to play. Yeah. I'm not. You know. I'm not. I'm not laid. I am laid back in a, in a very in a, in a major way, but I also am the opposite of laid back in another way, in that I'm in that I'm very passionate and very committed to what I do. Yeah. 
Yeah, I had a conversation with um, Eric Woodall from Tara Rubin the other day for this yeah. podcast, and he says there's a lot of work that he does behind the scenes, hardcore. And then when they show up to the room to do the casting, it's like everyone's happy, we're hanging, sipping coffees. But there's really like, let's be honest, there's a lot of time sitting down and getting that work done. Yeah, and having that balance is like yeah. the key. Is there, metaphorically speaking, a word or a quote that you could put on a billboard for millions of people to see? Just the word love. <laughs> Love. I think, yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I love you. You're a great guy. You really are. Uh, Thank you for sitting down with yeah, me, man. Yeah, of course. This is great. Um, just, we're wrapping up here. Um, any most gifted books have you, like, do you, that you've read or that you really, like... That I passed you, out? Yeah, or do you feel like people oh, yeah. should read? Oh, my God. There's so many. But Well, the latest one is The Creative Habit, the Twilight Art book, which was yes. gifted to me that then I... Yeah, I'm super into. Okay. And the other one, uh, my other favorite, I'm trying to read more classic literature. And a couple of years ago, I read Anna Karenina, which is so long. And I, yeah. I couldn't even make it through the fourth Harry Potter book because it's so long. And I thought I'll never be able to read this, so I stopped. But uh, Anna Karenina, to me, is ama- was amazing. That I had a great experience reading that. Okay. And Between the World and Me, the Ta-Nehisi Coates book is amazing. I read a lot of books during Hamilton because I was back then. Um, <laughs> that book is amazing. And... Okay. What else did I read that I really loved? Those are, the, those are what I say are like the must-reads. Okay. Great. I've read a lot of books that I liked, but those are the ascent. Those three are... I think essential reads. Yeah. And I usually ask here at the end, where can we find you? But you're not really on social media. Nope. Not really. You're not. Uh, is that something you're going to keep up, keep up? Or do you think you ever will have like a presence on there? Never say never, but yeah. I can't imagine ever being on social media. Because <laughs> it would just be like another thing to add to the list of stuff to do. Yeah. I, I, like, I kind of like not knowing what people think. Yeah. Yeah, that's important. That's really important to a certain degree, which is what we were talking about. I mean, we literally covered that already. Yeah. Well, we'll see you on Mindhunter. Okay, great. Yeah. Jonathan, thank you for sitting thank down you. with me. My pleasure. And have a safe trip tonight. Thank you. <laughs> You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another Curiosity Conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening. <laughs>